0: There is a unit of Tal Shiar, synth hunters operating on Earth openly. That could not happen without Federation complicity. I'm listening. You always said there were Romulan Federation connections I didn't see. I was talking about Mars, J.L. The Romulan rescue. Those are connections I just see, like people see angels or, or uh, ghosts. I have concrete evidence that a high-ranking Starfleet official conspired to allow the attack to go forward, to put an end to the rescue mission,
1: Ruffy, which they opposed. Ruffy, there had no reason to sabotage their own rescue.
0: What do you think happens when there's a cover-up?
1: They conceal
0: it. Discussing, don't worry. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery, and Star Trek Picard, and so on and so forth. Today we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Episode 3, The End is the Beginning. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones, how you doing man?
2: Glad to be here. Um, just, just can't wait to talk about this. And again, glad to be here.
0: All right, man. I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here and hopefully you're doing well. I heard you had a little, uh, ke- kerfuffle, but you know, I think the other guy looks worse. So, you know, yeah. And yeah, well, I
2: think I got into an <laughs> altercation with the sidewalk and the sidewalk one.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no.
3: <laughs> wow. Yeah. How dare. Yeah.
0: And Is I didn't
2: even m- ha- and the sad thing was, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't distracted. I wasn't on my phone. I was literally just walking the trash and stumbled and my face caught my fall.
0: Well, I'm sure you were pondering some wild and crazy theory about Doctor Who in the back of your head. So, you know, that might have that might have distracted you just a little bit. Maybe <laughs> just just a little bit. All right. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story in Jeremy Barrow. How are you doing, man?
1: I am doing it. Well, if this weather will decide what it's going to do, I'll be doing great.
3: Give it 30 minutes. Oh, I
1: know. We <laughs> I mean, went from a monsoon to a desert on my way over here.
0: <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say, I won't complain about the warmer weather, though. So, you know, you know, give and take.
1: Yeah. it's just, You just got to work with what you're given. It's all we can do.
0: All right. And also on the podcast, we have the trick story in Java Shorts. How you doing, dude?
3: Greetings, earthlings. I am doing pretty good today, actually. Um funny story, you know, we were talking about weather. Did you know? Uh what was this three days ago, four days ago? I'm sure you guys probably heard it. Antarctica registered a temperature of sixty two degrees. And I did not know that there was a part of Antarctica, and I don't know which part. Registered sixty-two degrees on that particular day. Beverly Hills, California, was colder than Antarctica. Antarctica. Wow. And there's no such thing as planetary warming. (laughs) No, that's a hoax. What are you talking about? Fake news. I'll turn to
0: facts. (laughs) That is crazy, man. That's kind of scary to be honest. Good. Yes,
3: that is very scary. Wow, but yeah, other than uh, that, that was just very interesting to me. So, but yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself, sir?
0: I am doing well, man, and glad to be on another podcast. You know, if you want to go for some, you know, planetary global warming type environmental stories, I will say head on over to discussing Who, where we talk about all the latest Doctor <laughs> Who episodes. You know, some Dr. episodes, who,
2: otherwise known as. Captain Planet.
0: <laughs> yeah, some of the recent episodes may have been hitting home in that area. So, you know, definitely check us out at DiscussingWho.com where we talk about all the latest Doctor Who stuff. But Well now I'll be interested because <laughs> I want to know how that goes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, it a you nice
1: know, sick like you your other stuff by yeah. the way.
0: <laughs> your your mouth may vary, so you know, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> But guys, we want to thank each and every one of you for joining on for this journey. If you're listening to this show on whatever podcasting platform you may be listening on, we thank you for joining in and being a part of the family and whatever podcasting platform you are currently on. Please be sure to go ahead and like us there. Give us a five star review if you can and leave us a written review as well. These reviews help us get discovered and more people into the fold. So we thank you for coming along for the ride. So, guys, I have no news, but I want to throw it out there to you guys. Do you have any news related to the Trek world that you want to talk about?
3: Uh, Just maybe a little bit, maybe not super duper important. So I have news and a rumor to put out. But first news, Uh, gosh, what's her name? Number one, the lady that plays number one oh, in Rebecca Discovery. Romaine. Big Romaine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she was doing an interview about her new jewelry line, and she hinted to the fact that she was working on Star Trek again. So even though we're 900 years in the future, um, there's she's hinting to the fact that somehow they're going to work her and the pike back in. So I don't know how that's going to play out.
0: So my guess is they're doing one of two things. They are integrating her and said Enterprise crew into the Section Thirty One series, which would be freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Or yes. she's coming back for some more short trek stuff. So either one of those, I'm psyched for. Mm-hmm. But it'll be awesome to have some Pike, uh, 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 number one and Spock on a Section Thirty One series. Obviously, that would be awesome. Man, I would love that. Yeah, that That'd would be awesome. That would be fun. Or a Pike series. Who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm more for the Section 31 series. <laughs> yeah. It could be
1: better. <laughs>
0: Not, no,
3: no, no, no. I mean, nothing against Pike. I would love that series, too. But Section 31 just piques my curiosity. Yes, dude, well, you know, help. they
1: say they're going to start filming that at the end of this season of Discovery. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm wondering if they're doing that so the spoilers won't get out as to how Giorgio goes from 900 years in the future to now-ish, uh-huh. when it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, cause it seemed like I saw something recently that said that Giorgio is definitely involved, or Michelle Yeoh, I should say, that is definitely involved in this, in this Section 31 series. So interesting if they're going to play in a slightly different time frame, you know, maybe before Discovery goes boldly into the future. Or they're going to somehow, like you mentioned, John, somehow bring her back, which in either case, I think Michelle Yeoh is essential for a Section 31 series at this point.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And you know what? I was sitting here thinking, I think you could have a Section 31 and a Pike Enterprise exist in the same story. Actually, I think they would be a good balance of each other because Section 31, <laughs> so clandestine, you need something to be the opposite to that. And I think Enterprise would be a good opposite to that.
1: I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. There must be balance.
3: Well, also, there was uh, rumors floating around on fan sites, which I got this information from com, which, funny, I didn't know that existed. (laughs) Um, But it's also been on a couple of other fan sites. And rumors Seth MacFarlane and NBC (sighs) sit down at the table with CBS (sighs) to try to buy it.
0: (sighs) Uh, Oh, i read this. Well, they the right wanted to buy well. a Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently the price wasn't good enough. Right. But I see so many problems with this. So many problems. Now, my first thing would be, would NBC be able to afford it? Afford it. <laughs> Not only afford, it, but provide enough funding for it going forward to be at the level that we're accustomed to. Right now. Uh, so that, that kind of scares me. Um, having Seth McFarland behind it might be kind of cool because, you know, he's a very devoted Trek fan, uh, Trek alumni even. So I think that could be interesting, but I think for all intents and purposes, I'm happy with the show runners we have now. Thank um, you. You know, in, in spite of the various fans that are you know, not really on board with what they're doing. But, you know, I I think they've shown with Picard thus far that they can if they wanted to focus in on a particular type of show that is catering to a particular audience, they can do that. And I I think they also did it by Discovery Season 2. So, you know, I'm on board with the current showrunners and I really don't want to see it switch hands. That that kind of worries me.
1: Yeah. My my worry would be Seth MacFarlane himself. Not that I think... He would dirty but, it. Well, I mean, it, I like Seth MacFarlane and I like most everything he does, but I'm just concerned that if, like, if a super fan got a hold of it, they would do more fan service than actual quality Star Trek.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think he would do anything wrong with the series, but you know, I, I just think we're on a good trajectory, just honestly, my opinion, and I would just hate to see it change hands at this point.
2: Mm-hmm yeah I kind of have to agree with you, Clarence. I think that again, it's not a dig at anybody else, but if you've got someone that has a mindset of what they're doing, and if you go another route, the best way that I could kind of given a good example without going to, trying not to go down another avenue here is look at the last three Star Wars movies. You know you yeah. had a you had a trajectory, you went another way. And then you came back and then, you know, that is an- another discussion for another time. But that is an example of that.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Awesome sauce. Uh, did you have anything else, Um uh,
3: Well, not super major important, but the actual Picard producers actually released a, a little short list of which we've already gone over this, but it wasn't from the producers of episodes of Star Trek and movies that are important to watch. For watching this series. And we like I said, we've already gone over it, but real quick, it was Best of Both Worlds, Part One and Two of TNG, Inner Light and Eyeboard, TNG, and definitely you want to watch Nemesis and Star Trek 2009, Planet Seeds, and yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, I think the only one we missed from that list, and I really wish we would have covered, is the Inner Light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you brought it up several times, John, but I really w- re- wish we would have got around to uh, viewing that one as well. And maybe that's one we'll circle back to after this season is over, because it, it, it definitely is a huge one that that shapes our.
3: <laughs> but that's all I got. I'll shut up
0: now. No, no. <laughs> Talk—that's what you're here for, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, So I think we are ready to move along into our review of Star Trek Picard Episode 3, The End is the Beginning. Completely unaware of her special nature, Solji continues her work and captures the attention of the Borg Cube Research Project's executive director. After rehashing past events with a reluctant Rafi, Picard seeks others willing to join his search for Bruce Maddox, including pilot and former Starfleet officer, Crystal Ball Rios, Rios, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball,
3: Crystal Ball. Yeah, there
0: you go. <laughs> Included pilot and former Starfleet officer, Crystal Ball. I Cleo. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're quite fine, sir. And we're going to go around the horn and just get everybody's high level non-spoilery review of this episode. And I'll start with Cal Jones.
2: Uh, Let's see. Best way to say this is it was a three-part opener, and I think this helped solidify You Needed Part 2 to kind of gel between Part 1 and Part 3. That being said, I'm ready for episode number 4 because it did leave me wanting more. So, very much enjoyed it.
0: All right. What about you, Jeremy? (laughs)
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. So, I, I agree you needed part two to make part three happen. But you know that, that there's that old saying that this is a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm definitely feeling that this is going to be a marathon show where you just kinda of have to wait to see it all come together to fully enjoy what you're given.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> John.
3: Best one yet.
0: All right. My some positivity coming from John. Uh,
3: man, like I, now I'm into it. Like, so I, when I sit down to watch Discovery the first time or pretty much any Star Trek, it, you sit down and you kind of, it kind of pulls you in like it's a movie. Like I'm sitting down watching a full feature length movie. And that's what I got from every episode of Discovery. That's kind of what I was missing in the first two episodes, because like I said, it, it really wasn't, wasn't giving me much. But this one, I, I mean, it kind of dived deep into each scenario and it gave you a problem. It gave you a potential solution, an alternate solution. It gave you, I mean, it made you think it. I, that's what I enjoyed about this. Like I was fully involved into every scenario. So I, I I really enjoyed this.
0: Interesting, yeah, man. Uh And as for me, I totally love this episode. <laughs> there are so many good things going on, and we and you you talk about the movie aspect and the of how Discovery was, but I, you know what? I just like the character moments of this episode are so deep and make me. You know, in three episodes, love almost all of these characters, uh, to, to such a crazy extent. And, you know, just these character moments between each of their interactions and the stakes of what's going on. Um, and maybe even some past things that are weighing on some of the characters, just well acted and just the scenarios presented. Just made me love each of these characters in slightly different different ways. So uh, yeah,
3: <laughs> and I I agree I agree with that. And I, I think either you or Kyle mentioned uh last episode that you know once we got into the characters more and you know start getting a backstory on them a little more to become more interesting. And I think that's kind of what I was waiting on. And this episode did that. You know what I mean? It it gave me. It's already characters we don't know, which is fine. They're very well written, but I needed something to kind of attach me to them, a story of sorts to just kind of give me a, a good feel about them. And that's what we got, man. Like you said, it was it was very good in character development, early character development. So, yeah, perfect. Perfectly done.
0: And, Agreed. And, and also, I feel like Picard is starting to win. You know, there's going to be many more trials and tribulations forward, but... I think he's starting things are starting to look a little bit brighter and we're gonna get into it. And guys, if you have not seen this episode, from henceforth we're gonna be spoiling everything, so spoilers ahead, guys. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. i gives give you the right. You cannot destroy an undeemed at ease before you spray something. So guys, we open this episode with an additional scene of the attack at uh, Utopia Planitia. I just want to mention how I really liked how they're driving home the impact of this event. So, you know, it was a short, what, 30, 40 seconds, maybe of a flashback that they showed again, yeah. but very impactful, very impactful.
3: It is. It, 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 it definitely built that. Kind of made that as like, this is the solid ground that we're building from. It,
1: it solidified the next scene, the, the scene that followed. Yeah. It made, it made it, made the next scene stronger as well.
0: I totally agree with you. So let's get into that scene where we're taking, uh, into a flashback, you know, around that same time after the, the attack, but 14 years prior to the events that we're experiencing in the show. Between Picard and, and Rafi Musker, we see a very enthusiastic Rafi questioning the admiral about how he approached his plea to Starfleet to continue the evacuations effort. Uh, they obviously had a plan B, which I thought was really cool, which consisted of off-duty officers, decommissioned ships, sent labor. Solid plan, right? Or do we now see a Starfleet operating on fear? Is that something different that we're just not used to seeing from Starfleet? Hmm.
1: I think to an extent they've always run on a on a level of fear, but now the threat is more. It's it's everywhere now. It's out there. It's not just a Starfleet threat. It's a quadrant threat, and it's more open. So I think that I think that's what we're seeing now.
3: Yeah, and I've seen, and I've, oh, we've seen this before, not. Like I said, I think Starfleet has always been cautious and, you know, kind of slow to get started on things. I think it's just we've always watched everything from a captain's perspective. And usually the captains are more bold and go get go get it type attitudes. And they've always, you know, fought with Starfleet whether or not to approach it. But I mean, even if you try to stay in canon a little bit, like going back to enterprise when we had this india attack on earth yeah and i mean that i mean starfleet just pretty much like let's shut everything down basically let's no no more we're looking at all the different race different aliens and we're gonna restrict movement here on earth and you know it it was a big deal and and pretty much everything starfleet did after that was in fear i
1: think with the dominion war yeah I mean, you know, it was if it wasn't for someone like Cisco, Dominion probably would have actually won that
3: because Cisco kind of like kicked them in the butt, saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, this get moving. And I mean, the big scene that sticks out for me and that when they were on board Defiant and O'Brien and um, Bashir was like, All we do is attack and retreat, attack and retreat, attack and retreat. We're never going to win this war that way. What is Starfleet thinking? And it was the same thing. Starfleet didn't want to risk unnecessary lives risk large casualties. So they were not.
1: Well, I think, I don't think it's necessarily the lives. I think they, they didn't want to <laughs> risk losing
3: face. Possibly. Possibly. Mm,
1: I think you both have
2: uh, valid points in what you just said, but I, I think the spin that I would give it is, is a little bit further on the way stories were told at that time, no matter how, much trouble the captain or the commander or whomever was in, in that particular episode, they came out on top at the end. You know, it it was always, if they were being a renegade by the end of the story, everything pretty much would be resolved saying you were right for the most part. And I think in this setup that we're getting here is we're seeing a case where, the captain or the ex-captain or the admiral is being told, Hey, you can't do this. And they called his bluff, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Cal, I totally agree. And I'll riff off what you just said. You know, JL, as Rafi puts it, uh, breaks the news, uh, breaks the news to her about his ultimatum. And I think if I think about past check events, it seems like no matter how much they rebel, it seemed like Starfleet always ultimately sided on the side of the captain, you know, not always so, but it seems like mostly.
3: So the only reason I didn't take it that way is because I, my thoughts, especially after we see it, I'm probably jumping a little head here Well, but if you see what happens with Rafi. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily Starfleet. That's making these calls. Mm. So we already know that possible Romulan infiltration or Satvash infiltration is there. I think that's what's causing this. Because, I mean, even Picard was bewildered. He didn't believe that they would accept his res- resignation. Why yeah. would Starfleet do that? You know yeah. what I mean? That's not normal. That like was- I, 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 Starfleet's always had a healthy fear, but not to that
0: point. Yeah. Yeah, and and even Rafi in that scene thinks it's the Tall Shiar Zatfash behind this. Uh, she doesn't you know call the Zatfash out specifically, but she says the Tall Shiar she thinks it's behind it. But I have to go with Picard's logic. He was like, "Why would the Tall Shiar attack efforts to free their own people from the Hobit Supernova radius? It doesn't make any sense." So that's the one piece I think we still need to figure out. Um. You know, if you go to the comics and I keep talking about the comics, but if you go to the countdown book, their logic is that this is just Starfleet's effort to uh gain control over the Romulans, which, you know, right. that that's a scenic, a cynic's point of view, you know, <laughs> it, but this just trying to help you. you know? <laughs>
3: but I mean, that that I mean, that is Romulans like their first thought is deception. Both ways like they always their first thought is to deceive you and their first thought is that you're deceiving them.
0: Yeah. Well, let's stay on that Rafi track where we we take a trip to the Vasquez Rocks, which is a famous uh trek location. Yes. Hum- humble abode Uh, and Picard gives her the rundown but we see a Rafi that is still living the past and just can't let it go. Which, you know, she has good reason. You know, she, she iterates how very different their lives have turned out post Starfleet Picard, you know, living in his chateau castle <laughs> while Rafi is in her mobile trailer home, which looks very nice, mind you, in the rocks. <laughs>
3: um,
0: <laughs> but we see a very broken, you know, Musiker or Rafi for, in for the f- past 14 years, it has been rough on her why wouldn't Picard keep in touch? Is that just not his way?
1: It seemed like there was almost an, a certain amount of shame in his face that that he allowed this, that he felt personally responsible for what happened, but just couldn't, he was so ashamed of, he just couldn't bring himself to try
3: to help her. Right. I, I absolutely see it that way. It's, it's kind of like, and I mentioned this before in a podcast, like, calling my aunt in North Carolina like she pretty much was the one that raised me but it goes so long that I hadn't called her and I really don't want to call because I was like well it's been so long I don't really know what to say I don't want to call I don't want to call right now so I'm hesitant so I said I'll do it next week and then I I think it kind of gets that way and then it just got I think Picard got so far into it he's like spirals out of control yeah he's like now she's totally pissed I probably shouldn't call her at all
2: (laughs) yeah but I think that happens to all of us (laughs) you know, in different situations, different different circumstances. The only thing that I would add to that is he had gone in, I think, trying to bluff, and they called his bluff, like I said before. He had to deal with those ramifications of that himself because I don't think he was ready from the way they were telling the story. He wasn't ready to retire.
0: Yeah, and and you also got to deal with the Picard who's very much still – believing in the Starfleet he's come to grow with over the years and just the idea of them letting him go so um, easily is just um, inconceivable to him.
1: Picard has an ego. Picard doesn't lose. Yeah. This was a loss for him. How do you handle a loss for somebody? How does somebody who never loses handle a loss? Yeah. So he shut that loss out. I mean, I'm not saying that he felt like she was the reason he lost but you know she is part of she is part of that situation yeah so you block that out that never happened let's try to win again
0: yeah and and, and even in that conversation with rafi um you know picard still is reluctant to to say it's starfleet you know he still believes he still believes in starfleet i just want to give a big shout out here to michelle hurd who is just acting her butt off in this scene to me. <laughs> I just, I think Rafi Musker is my favorite character now. She's so freaking awesome, man. And funny and quippy. And I just love her. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I can, yeah, I can definitely see her being one of my favorites really quick.
0: <laughs> oh man. So we get a scene a bit later of when Picard sends Rafi some information on Daystrom and Bruce Maddox and I love how Picard is able to push the right buttons with her. Keep her interested in the information and you know, just you know, give her a little bit and just let her go with it. Is is that a sign of a good leader or is he does it seem like he's more so just using her? Yes. <laughs> I mean I mean
1: a good leader knows how to use his 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 subordinates to their best effect. And sometimes it requires a little bit of, you know, manipulation. <clears throat> To get to get it done, he just looked at me for some reason. I don't. know. I, I mean, <laughs> well, he, he's in the room with me. So <laughs> that or the poodle pillow?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you know, we'll move over here. You know, Rafi uncovers her research uh, that Maddox may be a free clown, and she also procures Picard a ship. And you know, we learned. The ship is piloted by a Captain Chris Thrios. Now, I think this is the point in the episode where the fun really freaking begins. And I know uh, John and Jeremy and even Cal, uh, our Voyager fans, might have freaking punched the air, as Lee Shackford puts it, <laughs> when, when we learn of these two separate, different accented EMHs. Thoughts? EMH? E-N-H?
1: Thoughts? Well, I, I like the idea of the E.H.'s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they <called> the E.H.'s. <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed
1: like it, it. Well, I was telling Jonathan we were, we were watching the episode earlier, that would have been a great moment for Bashir to kind of have a cameo because they didn't they use him as the model for one of the Mark. More-
3: yeah, that's when they found out he's genetically enhanced. They were trying to
1: study him. But um but I like the idea of personalized um,
3: emergency holograms. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I, I just told Jeremy not long ago, you can tell they still hadn't quite worked out all of the, and maybe it's on purpose, he still has that, not so good bedside manner that the original EMH had. Yeah. <laughs> like, he he, he still kind of had a, a, little, a... little bit snarky. Yeah, there. it was respectful, and, you know, we, he was taking orders, but he
0: didn't like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it
3: was... I, 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 that was a very good moment. I
0: enjoyed it. Yeah, and then the accents. I didn't realize the accents were so different. I didn't even know there were different EMHs until I went back and watched it with subtitles on. So the first one had a British accent, and the navigational hologram had a Irish accent and they're two different ones. I didn't even, I didn't even no, no,
1: that. I didn't realize that either. I, and neither did was, I. And I was, I was doing some research on the actor. There's actually a Chilean actor who plays Rios. He's good. So
0: he's yeah. good.
1: Oh my so God. I, I'm very impressed that, you know, he had almost a flawless American accent for his character. Yeah. And then a British and an Irish from a Chilean like a actor. So well done,
3: sir. Well done. Yeah. And you you mentioned earlier about uh Rafi being your favorite. I think I think this is gonna be my favorite. Chris I think Crystal Ball is gonna be my favorite. <laughs> 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 like like he that he's gonna be like that. Don't really give a crap, but I'm going to be the one to help you, but don't cross the line. And but, I'm not scared of anything type guy. I, I like that. But, but I don't know, sure. man. I
0: don't know. Picard read him like a freaking book, man. He said, you are Starfleet. I would
1: be scared to have Picard sit down and read me. Like what <laughs> give me, tell me <laughs> stuff about me. I didn't know. It'd be right.
0: You know, to notice how he's upkeep of his ship is like tip top Starfleet, you know, condition and. You know, while he I think I think what we're going to learn from Chris is that he wants to be a bad boy, but he's been burned, which we kind of learned about that a little bit in this episode about his former captain, which we didn't get details. We know something happened to his former captain, which caused him to, you know, question who he is. So but, you know, you can't can't take that Starfleet away. So, Kyle, I have one for you. All right. Did you like the moment when the ENH gives Picard a. Daenerys Targaryen-type moment when he was talking to Rios. Jean-Luc Picard, Chief Contact with the Q Continuum, (laughs) Arbiter of Succession for the Klingon Empire, Savior of Earth from Borg Invasion, Captain of the Enterprise's D and E. What did you think about that?
2: Yeah, I so, so (laughs) felt like I was watching Game of Thrones there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) But... On the same time, I I was also feeling like, okay, isn't it kind of cool how the two characters kind of just, in my thought, kind of hit it off? Because you had this person that's coming in with this big laundry list of titles and accomplishments that he had done,
0: but yet, I I don't know, I just like the way the two of them played off each other. Yeah, me too. They just... You know, even again, like Rios wants to be kind of standoffish in the bad boy. I think like he's going to come around definitely by the end of the season. And there's this wonderful moment when Picard first gets on the ship and uh, (laughs) Rios tells him to take a seat and he kind of paused for a split second and looks at the captain's chair and keeps walking. I was like, yes, (laughs) it's so wonderful.
3: I was kind of hoping in that moment, like, "Don't sit down." That's gonna make you seem very <laughs> condescending, yeah. or like, "Like, don't." And he did. He walked right by. now that, that was a good moment. Um, uh, 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 he made the right decision right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, he's reading the book, "The Tragic Sense of Life," which is a very philosophical type book. I did a little research on it, but the interesting thing for him to be reading. So it definitely tells me he's probably going through a life um a very life changing moment or uh inner thought i don't know he's, he's going
1: a metamorphosis
2: <laughs> well, and it's well, also another example of he and picard having common traits because how how many episodes of the, uh tng have we seen where it ended or showed picard reading a book
0: yeah yeah certainly, certainly.
3: So I did some research on that book too, and I can't find I didn't write it down and find where exactly. so uh someone kind of paused and zoomed in to see what section that was. so it did show a glimpse of what Rio was reading and it showed a section in the book and supposedly it it's very similar to the thoughts that that the Federation had on synthetic life starting out. So it's kind of alluding to the fact that maybe he has something to do with all of this synthetic drama going on, whether he's for it or against it. But also, I mean, that book just as a whole can also be read as a guide to, you know, deciding whether or not synths were conscious beings or not. So that's how I
0: took it. And like also, like the little bit of research I did on the book. The book is like it's kind of uh dissects the human conditional condition and talks about the human condition in itself has so many uh irrationalities. Like uh we're made of flesh and bone and we're gonna die, which is a fact, but our number one longing is to never die. You know, that's that's kind of the whole vein the book is in. <laughs> like we're we're made up of a bunch of irrationalities, you know? Uh, right. so so it's kinda of in that vein. So not to get too deep into that, but so Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's go a little bit further. Let's talk about Dr. Jurati and Commodore O and the Men in Black moment. (laughs) What the freaking A. That was my
3: one problem with this episode.
0: (laughs) Why? was a pair of Walgreens sunglasses. (laughs) Not since Sonic Shades has any pair of glasses been so controversial. Exactly. (laughs) jeez <laughs> man I, 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 I,
3: uh, listen I don't know if maybe that was comic relief they tried to write in I don't know like uh, uh, somebody
0: screwed up <laughs> <laughs> somebody was fired after that I'm sure I would hope <laughs> I, I would hope I don't get it <laughs> maybe it's some plot that we gonna learn later that's so freaking awesome we can't even fathom but I don't get it well I mean even I, if I, even
3: if it was maybe Romulans are sensitive to earth sunlight let's just say oh,
0: okay okay but, I, but I can but
3: why, I, raw green shades I can but go even with it. If, if
1: Romulans were sensitive to earth sunlight wouldn't Picard's pet Romulans have already established <laughs> hey,
2: <that>? hey. <laughs> hey hey they are not pet Romulans
0: hey, hey. Come on, man!
1: <laughs> oh
0: God! Heck of a way to defeat that theory. <laughs> oh well, they're not off uh, from the mirror universe, are they? Is she from the mirror universe?
1: I, was, I, I have heard that theory that she's from the mirror universe, and they're more sensitive to light than our
0: universe. <laughs> I, I would hope she's not. I, I think it's too early to introduce the mirror universe into it. I think it's this. too much to introduce the mirror universe right now. Okay, mm-hmm. but
3: still, in the mirror universe, they have something better than Walgreens shades. <laughs> <I don't know>.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> not, not even expensive looking shades. Well, maybe, maybe she has standard shades. Dollar. But, but, but it would stand the reason if we think this uh, Commodore O was formerly a good, you know, Starfleet officer at the highest levels. If she was replaced by her um, uh, uh, mirror universe doppelganger, it would make a, a lot of sense that she's bad. Do what? Why would she need the shades? Why is she shopping at Fred's? Because she's like, from the she, she didn't
3: have the shades on when she was speaking to the Admiral.
0: Mm, I don't know, man. Ex Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I liked Lorca. Oh man, yeah. So did I. So did I. But we get into this freaking awesomely intense scene at the chateau with Picard, Laris, and Zabon. Um, before we get into the actual fight, we hear that Picard mentions that he's never really felt at home on the chateau. Then all hell breaks loose. Thoughts on this action sequence?
3: <laughs> well, um, I was a big critic of that initial fight scene in episode one. Uh, and, Actually, this was pretty well done. Uh, even though there were still a lot of cut scenes, it but was. it wasn't as bad. It was not as bad as that first one. So I could get on board with this one. There was some, I mean, you could actually see the actors throwing a punch now, whether they cut to stunt double or not. But I, I was really into this fight scene. Like mm. I wish it would have lasted a little longer.
0: So. To me, there are so many great things about this scene. And the one that just really threw me for a loop, and again, I have to say it had me punching the air, is when we get these a few moments, I think it was two of them, where they pull phasers from under the freaking desk, gangster style. I'm like, what world are we in
3: right now? That's so, so freaking cool. you think that was for cards planning, or was it the well, I forget their name. Oh, Marsh totally, a
0: Bond. That was
1: totally oh, yeah, their
3: I doing. To
1: I, but, she is quickly becoming. She is one of my favorite characters
3: right now. I really do enjoy her. And I have to, I have to give kudos to Picard's physical fitness yeah. because he was thrown over a desk <laughs> and he was still able to fight. Hey, yeah, like he was barely able to run up those stairs in the first episode, but. He got him, but I mean here, like if they were throwing me over the desk, oh man, I'm dead. It'll be
0: over. (laughs) And he still got up and put up a heck of a fight. Yeah, yeah, just so well done. I mean, you don't see too many fights like that in such a close confined space. Yeah, with these very high powered disruptors, and you know, just I just love the 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 pulling guns from under the desk, and uh, you know, yeah, that was awesome. You got the ramblings holding their own. Oh, man, just such a good fight, man. Such a good fight. And once again, it
2: shows that those two characters are not, you know, the pet. Well, I mean, no to- <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, and, yeah, and that's something else I got from this fight scene. Like, I, you know, last episode, I kind of said I'm not too much, too big of a fan of them. But, you know, after this, I, 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 they're growing on me. Yeah. Like, I, 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 think I could l- somewhat like Lawrence and bun now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the scene with Gerardi. I guess she's coming because she must be part of the crew. She comes in and, and winds up <laughs> killing one of the Romulans. And, and she's like, oh, maybe it was a <laughs> stun. The disruptors don't have a stun setting. <laughs> she's just freaked out. Um, but we get this old interrogation scene. Um, and the Romulan they're holding to interrogate. Says these words, which we hear again on the board cube, the artifact. She is not what you think she is. She is the destroyer. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're just totally flipping what we think of Asha and Dodge on its head. Um, any thoughts on that?
3: Well, I didn't read. I mean, I just kind of felt like maybe that's just how the Romulans feel. Like Mm -hmm. synthetics will destroy you and there's evidence Mars is on fire as Picard says. Uh, but I, I I mean, it does allude to like, uh, wow, I really want to know what these synths were made for. Like, what were their purpose? Yes. Very interesting. And it's one of my favorite scenes in this episode because they were like. Going back and forth from the artifact when you know she's talking to the lady and you know the lady's pretty much saying the same thing as <laughs> and They're switching back and forth, back and forth. And to me, that was that was like a great scene. That was a great scene. Great yeah. writing, great timing. Yeah, the editing. I mean, and that added a lot of extra layers of drama on top of what we're already dealing with. So yeah. I, that was good. That was very good.
0: Yeah. And 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 real quick, they kind of clear up. I know, I know we had. A little confusion about the suicide pill, but we see it again in th- in this episode, which you know that clears up, which is cool um Jurati mentions talking to Commodore o and uh and we clearly you know we get some answers here we clearly hear Picard thinks that she's a Vulcan, so as far as the show goes right now, you know we you know suspected if she's at high levels of Starfleet she has to be a Vulcan. But, you know, Picard thinks it as well. So I think I like how they're explaining some of these questions we had in the past episode. And, you know, if these are if these three were shown together, it would have cleared that up instantly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really like how they're doing that. So Gerardi asked to join the group, the search for the scent. So another know the Daenerys moment. Well, was it was it really? I don't remember. You know, it's. When
3: she was trying to convince Picard to let her go, she said, I am yeah. the leading blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah.
0: She was like putting <laughs> her stake in the ground. Like, hey, yeah. I deserve to be on this trip, yo. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> the leading, okay. foremost leading Starfleet officer in synth research. Something, I don't know. <laughs> <synth research.
2: laughs> Alright, so so let me ask you guys a question. This was something I wasn't clear about. What Was the twins... M- mother that we've seen on the phone or video phone or whatever communication device. Is this a real person or is this a simulation that is designed to keep them in whatever thought process they're having?
0: The latter. Definitely. I think it's Maddox Mm -hmm. behind it is my my thought. That would be interesting.
3: Cause also was interesting. Like, I took it as whatever she was watching had some kind of code written in to, like, yep. put her to sleep.
0: Yep. Or, you like know, that. erase some memories, add some memories. It's doing something to them every time they talk to oh, their yeah. mother. Quotes.
3: Huh. That mother looks familiar. Have we seen her before in any Star
0: Trek? I don't think so. I don't think so. I can never tell because it's never like a straight up picture. It's just a hollow projection cartoony looking thing. So I can never really tell what she looks like. I think in the first episode, we get a pretty good view of her. I
3: just can't tell.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't know if about anybody we uh, know. The band gets together on Rios' ship with Musker in tow. <laughs> and we get that moment. Well, before we get to the moment, I'll mention real quick. I, I love, I love Rafi, man. She just, she makes this comment about, um, Dr. Gerardi. <laughs> <laughs> Which is you're just gonna let Agnes here hit your ride on your top secret mission? <laughs> What's that, Like, <laughs> died laughing. She is so great, man. She is so great. But we get the moment, you know. I guess fans have been waiting for twenty something years for. What do we think about that moment, guys? Uh,
2: again, I go back into saying I thought this was like the perfect three part opening because it, it 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 was cool. It I, I I think he did a great job of just. Sliding back into being Picard, and I know they had the movies. It's not been, you know, totally, you know, since the end of TNG. But I mean, I'm all on board. I, I thought it was fantastic.
0: All right, Jeremy, what did you think about the engage moment?
1: Not really being familiar with Next Generation, as everyone else here, I probably didn't get the same excitement that everybody did. But I definitely like got a little got some goosebumps. Cause I felt like he was, he was, I felt like he was home.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, And it would have been too much if he had to sit in the chair and did that at the end, that would have been too much, too much fan service. I think. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Just, just wonderful, wonderful moment. You know, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. And I think they they did it in a way that I think felt natural as it could be. You know, Rothy Moosker is over there giving like a smirk, like, huh? <laughs> you know, she, she's like, whatever.
3: Chris Chris, kind of, you know, kind of gave him the permission, so, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Like before he even did it, he kind of looked at it and said, you know, you want to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: and, and, you know, uh, it's funny that you said what you did, Clarence, just a minute ago about, and I'm not sure the exact words you said, but it, it, it. Falled right into a comment that I had written down. And what that was, was there is a level of humanity of realism that we didn't see in TNG.
0: Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. And I wonder, is that partly because these are all humans, people from earth at this point that are together. I'm sure that's going to change, uh, hmm. as we get <laughs> a little further, but yeah, it's all earthlings. Um, No,
2: I I would say that same statement would apply for me with uh, Discovery. I just think it's a change in how stories are told compared to 1987 to 90, whatever, as opposed to 2019,
0: 2020. Yeah. And, And, you know, to me, this is this is where you benefit. You know, one of you guys mentioned taking your time with the story. It might have been Jeremy. I I think this is the part where you benefit from them taking their time with the story. You know, you really get to know these characters. They get these moments. You know, these slow. You know, they may seemingly be dead moments, but they're not. They're just giving you time to reflect and get engaged with the character. So characters. So yeah, all all everything about that moment was just fantastic. I feel.
3: Yes, very much so.
0: But let's go ahead and let's try to jump on this artifact slash board cube train real quick. Um, and finish up this episode. So on the Borg beat, uh, we get wonderful Borg footage as always. You know, just amazing CG, just wonderful. Uh we learned that Asha is more of a therapist and Hugh is very impressed with her. So first first off, uh, is does Hugh look badass or what, you know? Man, oh, man I, absolutely.
3: <laughs> That was awesome. Like I I didn't even notice it was Hugh until I was watching this on Amazon prime. So I accidentally like pressed the up button or whatever. And when you do that on prime, it kind of shows you information on the actors currently shown on your screen and it showed the actor's name and it said Hugh. And I was like, no way. (laughs) So I kind of, I kind of immediately went to my phone and looked up what Hugh looked, And it's, I don't know if... It, it can't be the same character. Yes, it's Is the, same the same actor. actor? It's the same actor. Because I was going to say, he looks extremely alike. Like, I, it's awesome that they could cast the same character. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the same actor. So good. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. I'm curious as to how he got the position he has. And <clears throat> that cube he was on... When we last seen him in TNG, you know, his cue, he went back, they put him, released him back to the board and his cue that he went back to kind of became affected by his individuality and they became separated from the collective. Oh, interesting. So now that got me thinking, what if that's his cue? Because now he we see that he has like a position, like he's the supervisor or. Whatever over the reclaimed
0: board drones. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm a little, a little unclear on that. I think it could be him or they also mentioned kind of in near the end of this episode, they mentioned that the other sister, I guess Dodge may have had something to do with the, the, the uh, cube, uh, being free. If I'm reading that correctly or thinking about that correctly. So I'm, I'm a little confused on that. You know, again, I hope they, clear it up, which they will in the next few episodes, but, uh, interesting stuff, man. I, I love what Hugh says. He gives a few thoughts on the current state of the reclaimed, as you mentioned, John. Uh, he said, most of them, them is seen as property to be exploited or as a hazard to be warehoused while the Ramelins see them as both. So what do you guys mm. think about the idea of the Borg being flipped on his head? They were once these scary, scary, scary enemies, Um, you know, you will be assimilated. But but now they're kind of being har- harvested.
2: Uh, yeah, that's the best way
3: you could say harvested.
0: Hmm. In, infinitely uh. exploitable.
3: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, boy, they're finding a new race of synths.
2: Mm, I I think you're playing with fire. I mean, and I know they say they keep, you know, I know it's it's disconnected, and they, um, you know, but it, I, I it, it's just like you're walking into your a China uh, shop, and you're a bull, and you don't care what you're doing, and you're fixing to blow up something. I mean, you're playing with fire.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I definitely like the idea of them being reclaimed, but I think when you go the step further to make a business out of it, or make a way of life out of harvesting the tech, I think you're, like you said, Cal, you're definitely, you're definitely playing with fire. Um, we also get this interesting moment where Asha wants to, I don't know, I'm gonna have to get you guys thought on this because to me, it seems like she wants to establish some type of religion for the reclaimed, which, Ah, uh, seems to be a very weird concept. It to me, it would seem that each of the various races would go back to the religion that they or that their race supports. But she wants to form this religion for all the reclaimed Borg. At least that's what I'm getting. Um, hmm. I
2: don't necessarily see that, and I don't mean this to sound literal. Whenever I say need for religion, but the people that are reclaimed, even though they are quote-unquote reclaimed, and we will probably see more of this when we see Seven of Nine, no matter how much of your humanity is changed, you can't not be somewhat affected by what you became.
0: <laughs> hmm. And for that matter, <laughs> like, isn't this already covered in Voyager? Doesn't Seven of Nine mention you know, the Borg religion or what they see as a God. If I remember that correctly, maybe yeah.
3: not necessarily a religion. She, she just kind of used it as a metaphor to explain the Jane, why, why they'll make a particle yeah, so important to it. them. That's it. So it wasn't really a religion other than mm. the, the closest example, like perfection to them is religion is God to us. You know what
0: I mean? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then we have like this episode kind of goes into the weird, um, with this whole Ram, Ramha, Ramda and the, her Miss Cleo moment, uh, where she kind of, you know, she mentions that Asha is the destroyer. Which twin are you? Um, you know, which, you know, I can't think again, that's to be determined in, in later episodes. Um, but it's kind of hard to believe that Dodge or Asha, whichever one it was, could single-handedly disconnect the Borg cube from the collective. That just seems like inconceivable. <laughs> Why do
3: we think that she did that?
0: Doesn't, doesn't Ramda say that in her little spouting of her vision tarot card thing? Mm,
3: I didn't take it that way. Like I, I kind of took it as Ronda was, I mean, I know we're kind of joking with the tarot card and thing, but she's actually speaking of the future.
0: Oh, Mm, that's what I got.
3: That's what I got from it. Because, you know, she said it was news. And then she's like, well, what what happened? And she's like, basically alluding to I'm talking about news in the future.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I was thinking they were talking about the past, but I like the future better. <laughs> cause I was, cause they mentioned that r- those Romulans, they were the first or the only Romulans to ever be assimilated. I don't believe that for one moment, but well, they, sort of, they
3: said the first,
0: the first that they know of, the first that they know of. So they're all the Romulans to be assimilated were in that room from what I understand right. from the show, which are only about eight okay. or 10 of them. All right. Um, and they, those had just got recently assimilated. A, a few months prior, and they were saved by. I thought they were saved by somebody like Dodge, um, re uh, or uh, disconnecting the cube that they were on, which you know, I could be wrong with it. I like the idea uh, of I being This is where
1: Seven's going to come in, hmm,
0: hmm,
3: as a Borg rescuer, possibly. Interesting. So, we also can kind of get a, like, I don't think Dodge really knows. Where she's getting her information? Yeah, and she she said a couple of times like I don't even know how I knew this. Yes, so obviously did. that was programmed into her or sent to her or maybe something she's done or memories from something else. Because she had all this information that even Hugh didn't know. So you know because Hugh was kind of like, is that true? Yeah, Rhonda, is that true? <laughs> Rhonda, <Ronda. laughs> Rhonda, Rhonda.
0: Yeah, no, that's Call right. That this, this sounds right to me. You know, this, these very looks of these Romulans is still freaking me out because they all look yeah. so very different. Oh, but I like it though. I uh, like it. But Narek's sister. Oh my God. Uh <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> well, 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 you know, that's pretty much that story, but let's just wrap it up. Let's talk about. We, we just get this this quick little scene of, of Narek talking to his sister. Not a lot to go on out there. She's just telling him you better be on your P's and Q's. Your plan better work. Yeah, but I, I just liked the little scene, the little in- interaction between them two. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. But you know, I
3: something's I, going on there that shouldn't be going on.
0: <laughs> this is <laughs> this is not a Game of Thrones moment. <laughs> Listen, that that was just too <laughs> close for comfort. be sister and brother. I'm just saying. Hey, we don't know the Romulan norms. We don't know the norms of the Romulan people. Shh could be perfectly fine you know there is nothing normal
1: <laughs> <laughs> just because it's okay for them they don't have to throw it in my face like that
0: <laughs> okay um so guys we're ready to wrap this up and now I just want to you know before we wrap things up I want to ask real quick go around the horn and ask each person what is your favorite character so far and why just real quick i will say mine is rafi Mus- musker because i think she's quippy she's awesome she um she, she holds the L to task. She's very broken and she's on a redemption. So what about you guys, your favorite character and why, why so far, John?
3: Oh, Hey, Hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> um, so again, I mentioned this earlier, man, captain Chris is going to be my favorite. Um, there's a level of mystery about him. There's some aggressiveness, some quip, some like quippy remarks, but there's also a respect and a structure about him. I, Oh, I, it's, I, I don't know. I I, th- I think I'm just going to like him. I, I really am. He's going to be that one that don't mind taking <laughs> risk, necessary risk. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it's going to have to be somebody in this motley crew of people <laughs> that's going to have to kind of push the envelope a little bit. And I think that's him. Awesome. Lars hands down. Nice. Agreed agree okay.
0: Between the two of you, why?
1: Um, I think Lars is probably going to be Picard's anchor. He's, she's going to be the one to basically kick his ass when his ass needs to be kicked, because she's the only one who's not afraid of, of, of him being Picard. Oh, she doesn't dude. care that, that he was has all these titles and accomplishments. <clears throat> he's the only one who can do this. He's going to get off his ass. He's going to get up and do this, and he's not going to let anything bring him down. And then, you know, kick everyone else's butt
0: as need be. And he does seem like he listens to her. He really does. It seems like he values her opinion very much so. I like their relationship. I love the, yeah. the trio. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the fact that
2: she comes across. She looks like she's the housekeeper. And I think that is something that is to her advantage because you, you come in and, and they do have guns hidden, you know, under the table and all the <laughs> stuff that they can do. I, I think that's an asset to that character. And it's something I don't think we've seen before. So that's another reason I like her.
0: Yeah, certainly. All right, guys. Well, we are ready to wrap things up again. Guys that are listening that um have stuck around this long. We thank you for joining the podcast. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. We're at Discussing Trek on all of those various platforms. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. We'd love to have you on. <laughs> Send feedback to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or any of the aforementioned social networks. And um, yeah, we thank you guys for joining. And we're going to go around the horn real quick and see what everybody has been working on, watching, suggestion. This is our parting gift for our listeners. So what have you been working on? I want to talk about podcast later. Otherwise, let's start with Cal Jones. All righty, since
2: you and I kind of mentioned, I think at some point in here, Dr. Who, if you are watching Series 12 or if you are a fan of the 56 plus years of Dr. Who, check us out at discussingwho.com where we talk all things
1: Dr. Who. Awesome
0: sauce. Jeremy, what about you, man?
1: Well, I'm very excited to announce that uh, actually um, you can, I discovered, machine wash a Kindle and it will be okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> These things are like tanks, huh? Really? <laughs> so, well, I
1: keep my Kindle in my jacket pocket, like for moments when I'm like just bored and want something to do. I just pull it out and start reading. I forgot to take it out of my jacket when I was was washing clothes and wash and dry one, wash and dry later. <laughs> oh God! Just cranked right back up.
0: That is crazy. That is crazy, man.
3: Shameless plug for Amazon. So if Amazon is listening, we'll take a sponsor.
0: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. We
3: love those
1: Kindle products, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. So get get a Kindle, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: All right, John. What
0: about you, man?
3: Oh man. Um so other than I finished DS9 the other day for the umpteenth time, and I have went exclusively to TNG, so I'm working my way through Season 4 now. So, man, all of our listeners out there, I advise you to just jump into TNG a little while. It That gives you an appreciation for our current series we're, we're reviewing um, it's some amazing episodes and like we said earlier, the producers kinda allude to some episodes you may want to watch, but I think all of them give you some value to the new Picard series. So definitely go through that. Um and just a other little thing I said I was gonna do a quick Google search earlier. Um, and I don't know if this is where I know her from, but the lady that's playing the twins' mom is Sumly Montano. Hmm. she's a actress and voiceover actress. And let me tell you, this lady is busy. So I won't name all of them because there are just too many works to name, but just a few. She was part of this is us TV series. She was on Hawaii five. she did some voiceover on star Wars resistance. Um, she did some voice acting on one of the, um, Call of Duties, I think. Uh, Blue Bloods. There was one more. She did some World of Warcraft voicing. Uh, Man, you just have to go to IMDb and look it up. She was on Days of Our Lives. Shameless. Uh, What was the other one? The, The... mentalist mentalist yeah and that's probably where i seen her from the mentalist which was an awesome tv show kind of like of american sherlock holmes of sorts very good so yeah she yes very good so she's been on a lot and done a lot so i don't know if i've seen her from any of that but she looked very familiar
0: awesome sauce and my parting gift is going to just be to say check out the relativity podcast at relativitypodcast.com uh we are still going strong Just had a wonderful episode. I won't give spoilers, but you may hear prominent voices from this show on that very podcast. Yay. Um, Really, really wonderful. Good job, Kyle. And yeah, just, 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 uh, it's going strong. And, um, if you want to like just check out the show again, go to relativitypodcast.com or just search for relativity podcast on any of your podcatchers as well as, well as checking out The wifi sci-fi dot org website where, uh, you know, the group of podcasts are banding together to go to a live show in Seattle, Washington. So definitely check that out. Uh, that live show is going to be on the 25th of April. So, you know, if you want to go check out the perks of the Indiegogo campaign and what and everything else on the. Wi-Fi sci-fi.org website so yeah we appreciate you guys checking that out and once again you know just thank you for listening to the show please share like subscribe all that other good stuff and until next time guys live long and prosper If you
3: enjoyed this podcast, you may also like
0: Relativity. Relativity Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth, and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. Discussing that word.